What is up, Internet? It's a me. My name is Matthew Kroll. And peaches, 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 peaches. Peaches, 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 peaches. My name is Shahir Dow. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the film, the Super Mario Bros. movie. Is it cool, the Super Mario Bros. movies? It is. Is it really? It is. Is it really? It is. I'm doing some IMDb right now. <laughs> do, do it. You won't. Uh, you're right. You're right. I yeah. know. It seems kind of silly. Was the first uh, one, was the, the Bob Hoskins version, was that this, Was that just called Super Mario Bros? Super Mario Bros, yeah. yeah. And this is the, the Super Mario Bros movies. Yeah. Not I the Super wh- Mario Brothers movies. Why yeah. don't they want to do brothers? <laughs> That's strange. It is strange. Yeah, bros. Uh, I don't know if you remember. Do you remember the band? Uh, no, you would. I, I don't think you would, because A, it'd be a little bit before your time. B, was big deal in Australia and New Zealand. I don't think it was a big deal here, but the band Bros. No. Which was essentially two twin brothers, and they had this song called When Will I Be Famous. Okay. When will I, will I be famous? Anyway. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, You're very musical today. Day. What's that? You're very musical Yeah, I'm very today. Jack Black musical and uh, an obscure 1980s band from New Zealand. <laughs> Actually, I think they were from Sweden. Anyway, how are you, Matt? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> we are on uh, the third and final, at least for a while, video game movie in a row. It is, yeah. You guys, uh, you and Low Spec Gamer uh, checked out Chitris last week, which I have not checked out as of yet. Uh, unfortunately, couldn't make it to that episode because of timing. Yeah. Um, but I did actually listen to half the episode because I was like, oh, I wanted to see what the, is this movie worth checking out? And sure. so I think Low Spec Gamer, from what I could tell, really enjoyed the movie, but also was specifically primed for that particular movie. It's literally his bread and butter, yes. And you were sort of like, you liked it. Right, I I really like. Okay, it. you really um, liked it. Uh, I I was to for, for anyone who hasn't listened to that episode yet. I purposely because I knew how much Alex loved it for the yeah. first like twenty minutes was being real coy with my th- with my uh, with my opinions. Yeah, uh, because it was just it was it was just would have been a love fest otherwise. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was way better than I thought it would be. I've been looking forward to seeing that movie. Um, haven't you? It's actually it's fulfilling a certain criteria right now. Um. Uh, I th- uh, Vox wrote an article. I, I don't know if it was Constant Brady uh, who wrote this article, but someone at Vox wrote this article about movies are having their business time moment, which is okay. that we've got the Tetris movie, we've got uh, a Nike movie coming out about uh, the signing of Michael Jordan. <laughs> sure, There's a movie yeah. about uh, the the uh, BlackBerry coming out. We've of course had the Social Network. We've had the Steve Jobs movie. Um, uh-huh. A lot of movies about. Uh, titans of industry, obviously, um, and and the business of oh, movies about business, which I think is really interesting because that actually, I guess when I think about it, it, was one of my dad's passions in life was you know business and and starting a business and and it's it's funny because I run a business now, right, uh, right, didn't thinking I would. Uh, he was really uh, and in fact this person I, I remember my dad reading the biography of Lee Iacocca. Uh, who was a Ford executive, uh, who may okay. have been in the Ford versus Ferrari movie at some point. Um, but yeah, I, I think it, it's also uh, like I'm watching, I'm rewatching Moneyball right now. Um, and it's a really strange thing because I was like, why am I interested in this movie, which has no, no Venn diagram correspondence to anything I'm interested in? Um, okay. You know, I, I I have no knowledge of baseball. Uh, I thought it was like it's a very specific specific niche within baseball, sabermetrics, um, and yet I find myself oddly compelled by this movie um, well, because it's because a I human think it's, story, like it's it's society. <laughs> well, it's it, not just that. Uh, I mean, that's movies in general, but it's also it's tapping into something that I think I really am interested in, which is that human beings trying to solve very very specific problems. And mm. happening to be fairly good at the at solving those problems or, or coming up with innovative solutions, I, I actually really I I think the the phrase that is going around now is competency porn, um, I, which I really like. Um, <laughs> uh, like you know, it's why I watch Spotlight every year. Um, I I just enjoy that kind of like procedural about people trying to achieve something within their lives or within their jobs uh, with a degree of competency that makes me rest easy at night. <laughs> Well, that's good. It's good we're talking about this film because this film really does focus around two brothers trying to be the best plumbers that they possibly can be. And, well, 
Yeah. Are they good plumbers, though? <laughs> like, are... Well, here's the thing. I think so. But they just have madcap adventures and bad uh, luck with dogs. Yeah, would, really... would, would a bitter plumber be bitter equipped to handle a dog like that? Anyway. I don't know. <laughs> we'll get to the movie Super Mario Brothers in a second. I was happy to go to see the movie. Took, uh, we, we went with a group of children, uh, which I think is the ideal way to see that film. I went at 10 o'clock at night with Red. Oh, there you go. Well, um, <laughs> sort of the same experience. Um <laughs> Oh, our fun thing was that one of the dads bought a large bucket of popcorn. And I, I guess as your dad or as your parent, you, you have to become a pre-planner and like carry sure. a bag with like stuff in it all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were all, all of us looked at this dad with amazement and, imp- and uh, like a degree of uh, really uh, being impressed was that he had brought enough individual plastic containers for each child. So Hell he bought yeah. a large thing of popcorn and then dished out uh, uh, a little container of popcorn for each child who would then, during the movie, they would jump out of their chair, run back to him, and he'd dish him out another thing of popcorn. I was like, nice. I was like, that is some good dad work right there. That's pretty solid. Yeah. That's that's some good. That's some good forward thinking. And, and he brought it. And I think we've. I've, I'm. I'm very lucky about this. A lot of great dads that I know, and and moms as well. And uh, I think we have this sort of collective thing now where it's like, they're all of our kids. You know, like it's, right. it's a weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a weird thing, which is like, you know, all the kids are all of our collective kids, and we kind of like. You know, like bring them all. For, you know, like we like we have a WhatsApp group. We bring them all for playdates, and so coordinating this, this was an important one for us because we knew Super Mario Brothers was a big thing, and we all coordinated in order to make sure that all the kids could see Super Mario Brothers together. Listen, it takes a village. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we have an email. We do have an email, uh, quite a long one. So I'm going to try and get through this one. Okay. Uh, with uh, so, so yeah, sit back, relax, sit back. everyone. And prepare yourselves. This comes in from Prashant, who said, Long-time listener, first-time writer here. Uh, I discovered your podcast while recovering from COVID in early January 2022, starting with your review of Matrix Resurrections. The three-hour-long discussion between you both and Patrick Williams was perhaps the best part of my isolation. Wow, thank you. I've been meaning to write in for a while now, especially after hearing you both talk about Women Talking, which is my favorite film of 2022 and 23. Uh, So I'm an anthropologist by profession. That's Prashant, not me. And I think there's something of a synergy between what we do as a social science to study study to represent the lives of people and communities and what cinema is a stylized form of representation i know that's incredibly reductive but i hope you understand what i'm getting at what eventually drove me into composing this email was your review of all the beauty and the bloodshed so for those of you who are chiming in to listen to our review of super mario brothers please go back to listen to our episode about laura Poitras's documentary all the beauty and the bloodshed it's really uh, the perfect double feature it, 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 they 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 meld together well i think uh-huh. um all the beauty and the bloodshed was prashant's uh among his top five films of 2022 uh, I cannot tell you how much I appreciated the back and forth between Matt's absolutely trenchant critique of billionaires, big farmer, and whitewashing of blood money through philanthropy, and Shahir's nuanced reading of the text of the film. If I could weigh in, I would say that the documentary is trying to uncover two sources of trauma that Nan experienced. That's Nan Golding, the subject of, the, of that film. Mm-hmm. Uh, the personal familial abuse and the structural violence that fuel the opioid crisis. I think the Sacklers, that's the uh, family that she's, uh, whose name they're trying to remove from museums, uh, um, love or appreciation of art, that contentious meaning of humanity in your discussion, was perhaps not the point. I do not think we can look for humanity in entities like corporations that value profit and bottom line and reduces the humanity of its victims to just cells in an, on a spreadsheet. I want to chime in with a. I'm going to uh, um, put an asterisk next to that one, and I'll come back to that. Uh, this brings me to the discussion of art versus artist, a theme that has animated so many of your discussions. Is a big reason why I love tuning into your conversations, and of course, brings us to Tar. We, if you have, again, if you chimed a, in, for this is a journey. If you if you've chimed in for Super Mario Brothers, and now you've listened to all the Beauty and the Bloodshed episode, go back to listen to our discussion about Tar. Uh, I think all the Beauty and the Bloodshed and Tar speaks uh, to so many questions about trauma, accountability, capitalism, and the structures that protect privilege and power, and how care and community are vital in organizing alternatives. Personally, I think the art versus artist binary reproduces an idea of genius or creativity that undermines the fundamentally collaborative nature of filmmaking, science, and art, and so on. This conflates the work of art with the artist, which is is a problematic way of sidestepping questions of accountability and ethics. 
I hope you managed to read this email, or at least parts of it, that you both find relevant and resonating. Also, if I was at Matt's party and I had to name uh, the favorite film I watched in the calendar year of 2022, I would give some loves to Bones and All. Seriously, how are we not talking about Luca Guadagnino and Timothy Chalamet making a cannibal movie after all of the Army Hammer revelations? Uh, and if it's something that uh, might interest you, and perhaps our listeners, uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on Shanghai, the two... 2012 Indian adaptation of Vasilis Vasiloka's novel Z, which, uh, as uh, Prashant uh, rightly points out, was adapted by Costa Gravis in 1969. Uh, mm-hmm. We, of course, did Costa Gravis's son's film Athena last year mm-hmm. as well. This is a way to shamelessly plug something I wrote about in realist fiction. That, uh, thank you, Prashant. That was quite a thank journey. Thank you. In email. Um, and uh, we love it when people in academia uh, write in and have some thoughts about what the things we talk about. The thing I wanted to put an asterisk on is that in that, um, I, I 100% agree with the, with everything that Prashant is saying about um, the way in which we view uh, human beings versus the way in which corporations, uh, of course, Mitt Romney's famous, famous quote, which I think is the echoing of the Supreme Court um, uh, ruling, which is that corporations are people, man. Um I think that's not the point I was trying to make in that episode, which is that Arthur Sackler is a human being uh, who had an interesting uh, perspective on humanities and arts. And it was interesting to, to view the film through the lens by which a person who had an interest in arts had that legacy entirely uh, uh, unwinded by his... Um, Adventures in capitalism, so to speak. Uh, yeah. I think it's fascinating. Think if, yeah. yeah, if we had to pick one that he loved the most, it would probably be capitalism. <laughs> uh, well, I, I, that, that's an interesting statement. I, I I don't know how you come to that conclusion, actually. Um, well, one he did no matter what. <laughs> right. And we have record of. Yeah. It's all there. Uh, so, yeah. I don't know. And, and and the value he put on that uh, out-trenched any value on any people he might be steamrolling over across the way. Um, uh, actually, just, just to note, Arthur Sackler died in 1989 before OxyContin came to the market, by the way. Sure. Again, no ethical way to become a billionaire. Anyway, okay. we're do- we don't have to get into it again. <laughs> yeah, you can go yeah. back and listen to the episode. Yeah. Um, because, dear friends, first, well, actually, not to, not to sell that email short, I love that email. Yeah. That email was dope. Uh, it really did kind of like, I'm glad, I'm glad both Shahir and I's like discussion points of that film were like fun to listen to. Sometimes I worry that like, (laughs) that when I rally on about something that is tertiary to a thing that it doesn't resonate. And I'm sure many times it doesn't. I'm just happy that this one time specifically resonated with a listener. So that's very nice. Thank you, Bashan. Appreciate it. Okay, and so, again, if you came to hear our emails about all the beauty and the bloodshed or tar, we are now going to talk about Super Mario Brothers. Let's <laughs> uh, uh, an, anim- uh, an animated, not unrelated sequel by the Studio Illumination uh, that came out just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, yeah. And, and I, I, will, I will be 100% upfront and honest with you. I went to see this movie for the sole reason of taking my son to a movie. Um I, I have been solo dadding for the last couple of weeks. My wife has been out of town, so it's just me, me and my son, so I'm trying to like find fun activities. Uh, there's a lot of planning and preparation that goes into solo dadding. Um, so by the time we sat down for the movie... I was like, what are we watching again? Like, why are we here? <laughs> like, I just, yeah. it was, it was just like, uh, you know, I didn't even, I, I, the fact that I was seeing a Super Mario Brothers movie didn't even resonate with me. Matt, you run a gaming channel on YouTube. I sure do. What does the, uh, the fact that a Super Mario Brothers movie coming out in the year of 2023 mean to you? Um, not as much as I thought it would. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, we've talked about tons of video game stuff even on this show. Um, Mario has always been a staple. Mario was the first, uh, Super Mario Brothers was the first game that I ever owned as mm-hmm. a child. Um, I love almost every Mario game ever made. Uh, I've played them and beat them. Actually, even today in preparation for this episode, I went back and kept trucking through Mario Odyssey, which I had put down. Right. Um, I... I am cynical now. Okay. <laughs> when did that happen? Uh, uh, oh, God. Maybe <laughs> maybe right before COVID was when the last light in my eyes died. Um, I think the, the conversation sort of about this movie happening, especially after the 1993 uh, live action version, um, it never excited me. The, the the thing, the first thing that came out about this movie was, other than it was going to be Illumination, which is the Minions folks, um, was that Chris Pratt was going to be the voice of Mario, and everyone got mad and whatever. And then we heard it, and it was fine. And even in this movie, I will say straight up, right in the beginning, 
Mm-hmm. He, I forgot it was Chris Pratt. He did an excellent job being Mario. There's nothing wrong with it. It didn't like. I wasn't like wow, but like I was like, oh, it's Mario. Cool. Right. Like <laughs> it was good. It was fine. Okay. Um, is Mario's ethnicity ever commented upon in the game? Other than he's sort of like an Italian stereotype. No. It's never no. come uh, Well, uh, you know, let me say no with an asterisk because I, there might be in some of the Mario RPGs or some of the paper Marios dealing with that and email us in onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. Those are like the, those, those games are the only two that are like real story driven. So right. it is possible that okay. they are there. Okay. Um, but generally, no. He okay. is a uh, Italian American stereotype uh, based on uh, musings from Japan. Okay. Um, and I, uh, you know, we'll get into, actually, we'll get into it a little bit, but, like, I like how they kind of handled that and got it a little bit out of the way in the beginning right. of this movie. Uh, again, whether or not that hand wave works for anybody in particular, that's a personal choice. Um, but the, the, this movie existing, so it's interesting. Again, it's all corporations and, and, and the nonsense, right? And Nintendo has been uh, staunchly protective of its IP when it comes across in other ways. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they made the Super Mario Brothers movie, the live-action version, but then they waited, what, 20, 30-something years? Yeah, it's 30, been a while since the Bob years. Hoskins version. <laughs> yeah. Um, John Leguizamo, Bob Hoskins. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so when... And I, I kind of saw the writing on the wall because... Uh, so. They've been working with other companies to to sort of do um, mixed media stuff, or not mixed media, but like different games. There's there's a Mario versus the Rabbids, which uh, is sort of a I, I'm trying to remember the property who owns uh, the Rabbids. Basically, like Mario's been mixing with other things in games. Okay. And uh, I was like, oh, well, then uh, Illumination kind of makes the most sense because I feel like it would be like a quick irreverent thing. And then this movie comes out, and it just crushes mm-hmm. at the box office. What, it's the number one animated film opening weekend of all I time? I believe it's the, and it's also the number one film of 2023 at this point from a box yeah. office point of view. And and everyone's like, oh, wow, that's so crazy. And I'm like, uh, is it? Like, it doesn't matter if this is a good movie or not in, in that sense. This is a company that is hyper-protective of their IP, and it's a character and franchise that is known across the globe. And I would argue beloved, mm-hmm. uh, th- like... Then it's going to be a major motion picture with with superstars voicing the characters and uh, very very good animation. Like it, it it's of course it's going to crush. Um, I wish it meant more to me. Right. Um, and that's that's w- without judgment of the film itself. I wish I was hyped to see this movie before right. I saw it. Wait, because weren't you excited by one of the trailers? I, f- I felt like you said that to me. Like you, were, I was excited when it was were... the first trailer because yeah. it was the the Bowser scene uh, mm-hmm. with them him hitting that snow penguin kingdom. Okay, and I was like, that's great. Yeah, uh, but it's one scene, and and, and that's a, that, a critique I will say and d- dive more deep into is I think the scenes in this movie are really good. Right. Uh, there, but um, I don't know if they're connected at all (laughs) right (laughs) you know okay so this is what's what's really interesting is my son is seven years old and i want to say i uh at seven years old you start to notice that your kids start talking like you you know like when they're talking to other people they they just sort of they have some of the same mannerisms they have some of the same sort of thought processes that go on sure and obviously my son has heard me talk about movies a lot um and so he came out of this movie and he was like, and, and I tried to record this, but he, he was just, he's, he's in the stage where he doesn't want to sit still to talk about anything. You've, you've seen him, you've met yep. him, you know, you yep. know, he's, he's a ball of energy, <laughs> but he, but when I did sort of corner him and sort of like, what do you think of the movie? He was like, ah, it was a six out of 10 for me. And I was like, why? He says, you know, uh, he, he said this and I, it's, it's exactly what you said. He says, well, the scenes were funny, but the story, they didn't connect very well. He, he yeah. actually, he literally said, um, I didn't understand where they were going or why they were doing what they were doing. Uh-huh. He says he, there, there were scenes. Some of the scenes were funny. I kind of want to play some of the video. He said I kind of want to play the video game, but I liked Sonic the Hedgehog much more. So there's been uh, so I've been in so many uh, actually with Alex because I was at a premiere with him last night. Uh, yeah. Low spec. Yeah. Um, we were talking. He hadn't seen it yet. Yeah. And we were talking about. Sonic versus this movie, and it was a contextualization that I hadn't even thought of, but it's perfect sense because back in the day, Nintendo and Sega were yeah, like, yeah. you know, Sega do what Nintendo don't. Yeah. Um, and the I didn't even think about it. And he asked me what I thought between them, 
and I, I, I said something along the lines of like, Sonic wins, Sonic is a better story, Mario is a better spectacle. Hmm. And it depends on what you want. Hmm. Um, because I will say, for this film, um, Super Mario Bros. movie, it is a spectacle. It's all spectacle. Right. It, uh, it, yeah. There, there are large sit pieces, some of which are v- executed really, really well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would actually make the division in a different way, which Ooh, is not, okay. to, not to be about spectacle. I would say the thing about it is Sonic wins on personality. And I, the thing I'd say about Super Mario Brothers as a movie th- across its entirety, both in its casting and in its execution and its storytelling, is it has no personality. Yeah. It is, an, it is almost entirely devoid of personality. Jack and it's Black a re- and a little Charlie Day is the only personality. I, I, like, honestly, I didn't even clock Charlie Day until <laughs> the end of it. Um, Jack Black is the only person who kind of breaks through his character a little bit. Um, but I found that it, it's odd because it's really dynamically animated. It's, as you say, it's really beautiful. There are some fun, really wonderfully executed scenes. Uh, but it is almost devoid entirely of personality to the point where it was like, I really, I really, as I was preparing for this, struggle to remember the movie at all. And that's sure. not... Um, not in a sense that like I couldn't remember the scene. I, I I was doing the thing that my son was talking about, which I was like, okay, why did they go from this place to this place? What were they doing here? Or how? Do, like I actually had to try and remember how they ended up in the Mario world, and it was like, right. oh yeah, they got sucked into this thing, and I was like, there must have been a portal somewhere. But it was like things just happen. And then yeah. in, in re- with regards to the voice acting, it was really striking because of course Chris Pratt is a very recognizable voice, and he was such a perfect accompaniment to the as a voice in the Lego movie. It was yep. it was a stroke of genius. In this movie, even with the sort of balance between the funny one-liner set up to like uh, this is the accent and this is my voice, there was just no personality to this. Um, it didn't even have Chris Pratt personality. It didn't like, even it have Chris Pratt. No yeah, personality. And in a way, if you did the Chris Pratt personality, which I kind of felt was what the Lego movie leaned into, maybe yeah. it would have just felt too similar. But this just felt devoid of personality. Yeah. Anya Taylor-Joy as Peaches, I was like, is this a voice that we like really think about as like an exciting voice? Like, you know, Jack Black has a really interesting voice that like can do a lot uh, without having to see the face. I'm like, with Anya Taylor-Joy as Peaches, I was like... I don't know why this person is being cast. And there's no no shade to Anya Taylor Joy. I think she's a great actress. She also had the best outfit at the red carpet. She literally dressed in Peach's fucking uh, 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 motorcycle gear <laughs> with like the knuckles and everything. It was it's fucking great. If you haven't looked at that right. picture, it's amazing. But yeah, I mean, and Charlie Day, another great voice. Um, I just for me, completely non-existent in this movie. Um, I, I uh, yeah I like I I would say regardless of what you think of Spectral I mean you know, the Super Mario Brothers has Spectral but um you know uh, Ben Schwartzman as as Sonic the Hedgehog far you know literally runs circles around everybody here because that's a voice that's like oh that's an interesting character and that's a really good you know a- attachment of actor to this voice I also want to say I, I feel like we're we're focusing on the the duds in the main cast I will say uh, Keegan Michael Key as Toad was I, again actually... nondescript I recognize no, no, that no. voice so, this is, I, I disagree. He, right. he didn't feel like Keegan Michael uh, Key. It felt like Toad. Right. Like it. It actually like again. It's a one note character, but yeah. there was like emotiveness in what he was doing, and I was like, ah, that is a character. That is Toad. Mario Void. Yeah. Peach Void. Yeah. Um, Luigi the, for me Void. Luigi overall Void. He's not um, in the movie a lot, to be honest. As well. Yeah. He yeah. Uh, he takes on the the surrogate sort of like needing to be rescued. Yeah. Um, he, he, yeah. From the game, uh, he kind of incorporates the Peach's character, right? Yeah, uh, Cry Payton as the Penguin King actually like nailed his like the. Right. He, I mean, he kills it every time he does this sort of like voice that he does. Yeah. Um. Uh. Oh. Uh. Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong. No. Uh, okay. I take back what I said. Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong. Uh, um. Did you know distinctive voice? Really. Um. Uh, but it works because it's Seth Rogen, not because Seth Rogen is a great voice actor well, doing a character. I, I think the, there needs to be a marriage of like what we understand of that personality and what the character is doing. And that is, and that character is a frustrated son trying to prove himself. And there's something exasperated about Seth Rogen's voice, particularly with the laugh. That kind of worked in that in that sense as well. I just like that. Like it's funny because like 
all of these voices either worked or didn't work yeah. for different reasons. Yeah. And it's it, it's an interesting look at at the at the craft of voice acting and why you're doing what you're doing and the choices that you're making, why you're cast and all of that stuff. Because like there are pros and cons across the the quadrants yeah. of voice acting in this thing. In, in general, I think I would say that the the issue was, and again, Chris Pratt in the Lego Movie was a really good marriage of who what we understand of his personality and what that character was. Uh, you know, like, uh, naively optimistic about everything. Everything is awesome. Um, but uh, Jack Black and Seth Rogen, the two people with, like, the biggest voices, uh, really, to me, st- stood out in this movie, whereas everyone else kind of felt a little uh, uninspired in terms of, like, yeah, they're just devoid of personality to make that character leap off the screen. Um, back to the Sonic back and forth. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because if you look at the games, mm-hmm. and it's, it's weird. This is not an excuse. This is just an interesting like place setting around this. Yeah, uh, Sonic games in particular have been all about like kind of being extreme, and also like the Sonic lore yeah. at this point is fucking deep. Trust like, me, I, I I play the games right now with my son. Uh, but <laughs> but even beyond that, like I don't know if you play like Sonic Adventures. Like by the time it gets to three D, yeah. And the cartoons and all that stuff. It is. It is. The lore is is like it's. We have it's watched almost, the YouTube recaps of every game, and yeah, it's almost yeah. like it's like a fifth of Kingdom Hearts. It's that complicated. Yeah, it's, it's big, and there's. Uh, I mean, yeah. By the time Knuckles appears, and yeah. like, you know, like it just it gets way bigger. Whereas Mario, nothing. I mean, again, there is the Seven Stars, the RPG Paper Mario that has some plot that has injected it, but I would say across mainstream Mario. Mario is a surrogate character. Mario is a like you know that he uh, he uh, sort of emotes and and is happy. Yeah. I would even argue Luigi is only has a little bit more personality because they've cast him in the games due to the phenomenal Luigi's Mansion titles. Right. Yeah. As kind of the scaredy cat, uh, yeah. like Ooh, character. Mario, yeah. Yeah. like you know, like very like you know shaky yeah. and scared. Um, so it's interesting that the movie, and I, and I don't think this is, was on purpose, uh, the movie echoes that emptiness in the Mario character. It's, it's like it's true to its pedigree, it's, whereas the Sonic movie is like emotive. And Ben Schwartzman is like, I don't know, like you feel like he's emoting and is that character and there is a personality under the voice. Yeah. Uh, it's just you know interesting because Sonic has embodied that his entire existence, and Mario has invo- uh, you know embodied the void of that. Well, and isn't it true that uh, Mario as a character was essentially just uh, grafted from the Donkey Kong movies and kind of looked like something? Oh, so from they, the Donkey Kong games. Uh, Donkey Kong games, sorry, yeah, and kind of um, looked like a plumber, so they made him a plumber. I I believe there's something along those lines, yeah. but the I don't know I. But again, like Sonic the Hedgehog, when he started, was just a blue hedgehog that ran fast. And then they took that and moved it to something. Well, whereas yeah. whereas Mario, they never moved. I guess I would say, for me as well, I played Sonic the Hedgehog when it first came out. Because I was uh, of the age when Sonic the Hedgehog came out. And I think that, for me, um, and this is, again, pers- anecdotal, so you know, take it with a grain of salt. But I, of- I often found Mario was a really good example of early gameplay where, you know, like, it was really amazing that they were able to fit such complicated games or, you know, like, it's sort of the foundation of platform gaming. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, Sonic, to me, was much a much more beautifully designed game and a much more considered game in terms of, like, the the actual physics of how Sonic moved, his speed, his ability to ramp up speed, um, you know, the way he bounced and jumped and rings. I, I just found it to be a more elegant, uh, a more... Uh, considered game. Uh, that, that I would is not to take away from so, so, uh, Mario as well, uh, at all. They're different. They're different styles to yeah. be sure, and and everyone can have the opinion of. I don't even know which one I would prefer to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Uh, I would argue though, if we're talking about like considered and from a game design perspective, Mario is far tighter mm-hmm. and far more. I, it's funny. The word I would use is considered mm-hmm. because Sonic. Um, when when you're in a, I love that we're just talking about the video game now. But when you're in a flow state of Sonic, yeah, it is perfect. It is 
perfect. The issue with Sonic is there are many there are many elements of Sonic the Hedgehog games that knock you out of that flow state, and it, you have to get back into it again. Where Mario, I feel like it, even though you might not get those high highs, this is only for me. I'm just speaking. Yeah. It is a consistent, smooth as fuck ride based on very micro design decisions that like get you from point A to point B. Um, but anyway, it is interesting. It's an interesting dynamic between these two now films, or actually. I mean, I mean, they're the Sonic Marvel and DC of these two of, of this world, right? Like we were I talking guess. About. Yeah. I guess Mario's DC. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, poor analogy. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I think the thing for me is also the, the my biggest takeaway from the movie. Uh, oh, it, well, actually, sorry. Let's sidestep just back to just to the quickly to the voices again. It yeah. is interesting that this came back from this came out from Illumination Studios because we spent the the Christmas break watching the ten pack of Illumination movies. So we watched Sing, Sing Two, Secret Life of Pets, Secret Life of Pets Two, um, you know, uh, uh, the Minions movies, Despicable Me, all that sort of stuff. And it is interesting that those movies are so packed with personality, like all of those, and, and like Sing in particular. Is absolutely wonderful. Sing huh. is a, is an actually is a brilliant film. I actually I actually really really love Sing. I've uh, only seen Secret Lives of Pets. Yeah, that's the I, only one of their films before Mario that I've seen. They have the sort of pedigree of being uh, much more of a kids yeah. um, media uh, you know studio than Pixar, which Pixar is sort of a more transcendent adults and kids. Uh, Illumination feels much more directly aimed at kids. Um, but to that end. Uh, my biggest takeaway from watching Super Mario Brothers was that this is the kind of movie a parent would throw on and not have to watch. You know, like, right. and not want to watch with their kids. For example, uh, at the screening, uh, it was discovered among us that one of the kids and parents had not seen Into the Spider-Verse. And all of us kind of were like, what the fuck? And like, and we have organized a screening of like Into the Spider-Verse because we, we want to be there for when that, when that family sees that movie for the first time because, because that movie, for example, has that transcendent quality. Yep. This, for, for example, and, and there are many layers of this kind of movie on Netflix. You know, movies that uh, you, you throw on and the parents do not watch. You know, you don't pay attention to it. Sure. Um, and that's, that's, what I, that's the vibe I felt. Even though it is very, very well produced, it's a very big, glorious kind of movie, it is entirely devoid of personality. And, and, and to, to, I, I want to bring it back to the music as well when we talk about that. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. Um, well, yeah. actually, so if you want to transition to the music, actually, before we do, uh, I just want to say that the IMDb description, in case you're wondering yeah, what the sure. Mario movie is about, is the story of the Super Mario Bros. on their journey through the Mushroom Kingdom. So that's, uh, it. that's it. That's, yeah. that's what it is. Yeah. Um, man. So look, the music... Dueling banjos, my friend. Dueling it is a banjos. needle needle drop affair, right? Well, it's needle drop affair, but let's because that's the occasionally thing I think we're brilliant gonna... with the with with you know the music. Well, you, well, so so Mario games, yeah, have gorgeous music, yeah, and they utilize almost all of it in this movie. The yep. score is gorgeous yep. and and does a fuck ton of heavy lifting. Yeah, it's the only emotionally resonant thing in this entire film. Is the score yeah. the the re, the the the, the yeah. um repurposed score the, yeah. the repurposed score of all of these games the the arrangement mm -hmm. um it is it is top notch it is so fucking good yeah but then <laughs> what what focus group nightmare fuel scenario did this go through to get the soundtrack that this movie had as either diegetic or non-diegetic tracks just dropping out of fucking nowhere. It, it uh, I, to, again, to sort of talk about it in, in context of the Despicable Me's, the, the Sing 2's and stuff, it feels like one of Illumination's great, biggest tools in its arsenal, other, other than their animation, which is very, very good, mm -hmm. is that they have great licensing deals. And you can look no further than the Justin Timberlake um, happy um, track with Pharrell. You know, like that, that it's a genius level of marketing sure. uh, and integration. Um, so I think I think the th the theory is is that they have access to an enormous library of licensable, recognizable music, which is a very uh, not not a not an easy thing to do. That makes their choices worse. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah, when when Aha's take on me plays, what the fuck? <laughs> I was like, I, I I literally turned to Dave who was sitting next to me, and I was like, 
This song makes no sense None. in this sequence whatsoever. Like, they play an ACDC track later on, Back in Black. And I was like, it kind of makes sense. You know, like, they're getting hyped. It's a, it's a, we're about to go on a mission thing. I could kind of get it. Uh, the when they play Aha Take on Me, it's not even though as the characters are dressed in the world in in a sense that makes sense for that song. It's not that the characters are, are taking something on or or playing that song as though that's what they, they love that song. Like um, listening to it in the carts as they drive through the jungle. The no. world makes no no sort of relevant sense to why that song would play. Um, they it play just, it it's as an, they're it's, driving. It's entirely meaningless. They play it as they're driving to yeah. go meet yeah. uh, uh, King Cranky Kong and and Donkey Kong yeah. into the jungle. Yeah, I want to say that because if they have such a great fucking music license, welcome to the, the jungle. song <laughs> "Welcome to the Jungle" is right fucking there. <laughs> and I wouldn't have liked that, but it would have made sense. Maybe after Thor Ragnar, uh, uh, Thor, uh, Love and Thunder, Guns and Roses, wherein is willing to license the music. Oh out. yeah, yeah, maybe <laughs> or maybe. Well, it's funny if it was the decision of this film based around those things. They decide to rip off the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two soundtrack yep. at the very end as a <laughs> diegetic track, <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, Mister. Okay, Mr. Blue Skies. This, this is the this is. Great. I think we had a conversation about this uh, a while back, which is that I, I think when you're putting music into a film, not only do you have to be aware of the internal context, the diegesis of the film in the way it will play, even if it's playing extra diegetically, but you also have to be aware of the external cultural consequences of that film. So if you, you James Gunn was very savvy about being able to mm-hmm. use a track that that Quentin Tarantino had used many years before and be able to make it uniquely uh, a Guardians of the Galaxy song because within Guardians of the Galaxy it becomes part of a mixtape that Quill is carrying around and it's it's very, very well executed. And to the point now where most people will associate um, uh, a bunch of those songs with Guardians of the Galaxy even though Quentin Tarantino used them years earlier in such a beautiful way as well. But but this is a really good example that using of the Guardians of the Galaxy thing in this in the context of this movie which was so... Devoid of like, why are we using the song? All it did was make you think about Guardians of the Galaxy and take you completely out of the movie, right? Yeah. Like that, like, it, yeah. It, it just for me, I was like, uh, may, maybe for a seven-year-old who hasn't seen Guardians of the Galaxy or Pulp Fiction, the, maybe yeah. or Wizard of Dogs. I can't remember I which one it is. Know. But like, also, you have to think like they know that that people that are forty years old. It's funny, like this movie. I feel like was would be a perfect opportunity to do something like Into the Spider-Verse that is perfect for children and adults because right. it is a character that is beloved by all of them. They mm. didn't do that. The five licensed tracks or the five pop music tracks that they use is Holding Out for a Hero by Bonnie Tyler, which, sure, it's a training montage. It's training montage, yeah. Take On Me by AHA makes mm. no goddamn sense. Yeah. Thunderstruck. It, like, again... It's not the best needle drop in the world, but I was like, at least I kind of understand why. Again, ACDC's fire could be used. We salute you. Could be used for the the bullet bills or the fire flowers. Nope, don't bother. No sleep till Brooklyn. I mean, they're 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 in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Sure. Like, again, piss poor, like, easy mode choice, but I'll take it. And then Mr. Blue Sky (laughs) for the fucking end. Yeah. Bonkers. Like, like it, it felt like... Okay, if you're going for this, like, oh, we don't give a shit, let's just go for, like, brand recognition that is not this brand. Yeah. Why wouldn't you pick something that more the kids are kind of into instead? Like, who is this for? It Because it, no, nothing else in this movie is for adults. Yeah. And there's not a lot of uh, AHA fans that are, you know, your son's age. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I don't, it, it, like, every choice punched me out of the movie. And I Although was like. Someone- uh, I did read a music analysis recently. It said that uh, um, Harry Styles, as it were, is essentially the same riff as Aha Take On Me. They could have used it. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, exactly. Even uh, that would have made slightly more sense. There's one other There's one other track that I do want to talk about because it's weird. Yeah. So the DK rap, the DK, Donkey Kong the Don rap, Kong rap yeah. uh, is originally from Donkey Kong 64, which is a game that was uh, developed by Rare. A okay. different company that they would license out, and since then the Donkey Kong countries and things have gone back into Nintendo. Right. But in the credits, it's the only song that isn't that the actual uh, composer Grant uh, Kirkhope mm-hmm. isn't listed. It just right. says Do- DK rap from Donkey Kong '64, and I was like, "That's fucked up." Like you, and I, I must be due to some sort of licensing agreement and some yeah. back and forth thing. But I was like, it, it's during you know in the credits when they have the songs and all of the licensing information. Like so, yeah. there's like you know a small paragraph under yeah. each song. Yeah, 
That one. <laughs> DK Rap from Donkey Kong 64. That's it. And I was like, what? I, I, if you know this story, email us in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. It's the thing that's been itching me like no one's end. I couldn't believe that they kind of did that. It was strange. Well, to put it in context as well, the reason why um, a licensing, you know, why so much of this, again, I, I guess maybe the way, uh, as, in, as well as being devoid of personality, also feels like a licensing exercise. Um, you know, Super Mario Brothers, as of March 2022, and I'm reading from the Wikipedia right now, has sold over 776.8 million units worldwide. Fuck yeah. And has grossed $35 billion in revenue. It's a massive piece of um, IP. Mm-hmm. Um, you, I, I, and so, in many ways, the film is the safest bet. It, and, yep. it, and it's paying off. It's paying off dividends. You know, like uh, it has made $143 million so far and is the highest grossing movie of 2023. It is the safest possible route that this can go. And it is a miracle that the movie is not dis- not a disaster because it is to- the thing is, it is a totally fine, watchable movie. And it is just nothing interesting to watch. Yeah, let's, let's go into why that is, though. Because, okay. again... Let's let's uh, it, it, the voice acting definitely has something to do with it, but let's even step away from that because the only glue that glues these beautifully animated, colorful scenes together is the music, the score, not the not the not the tracks we just listed. There's no like stuff just happens. There's there's no push forward like, and even when there is a push forward, for instance, Peach is like, we have to go to the Kongs to have them help us with the war against Bowser. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. They do that. Then they get the Kongs. Yep. Then they come back, but the Kongs aren't with them, and they're back to square one in the same spot. Sure. And then Bowser just comes and rolls over them anyway. Yeah. Uh, and then they get sucked into the real world, cause, or the real world, the the Earth. Yep. Uh, okay. No sleep till Brooklyn. No sleep till Brooklyn. Yeah. Uh, no character grows. Uh, well, Luigi, Luigi, and Mario's family. I think, yeah, bit. Mario gains the respect of his family. Because but Mario doesn't change. Mario's confident in just this dude the entire time. He believes in, like, uh, everything is better when you're, when you're with your brother, right? But like, he's believed that from the beginning. From, from day one, yeah. So, which is, which so, is what drives him the whole way through. Which, again, is fine. But I think that's a thing that maybe even uh, your son and many people are not connecting with is you need a main character to go on a journey inside not just outside right and there's no inside of mario mario is the most hollow polygonal character on this entire thing if you zoomed the camera through him he would be empty um if you glitched him into a wall you'd just be able to see through his nose um i think that maybe that's the not the insidious but the slightly uh disappointing side of this is that it is an entirely empty calorie right and oh sorry yes and the interesting thing to me is the animators try. They yeah. tr- there's scenes when Mario's getting the shit kicked out of him, yeah. and like he's emoting about the pain and looks like scared and whatever. But the script and the plot do not even support the giant heavy lifts that the animators are trying to get across on these characters. Yeah, I, I mean, like I, I would say, like the Donkey Kong uh, ritual. Uh, where Donkey uh, is trying to impress his father, uh-huh. and and Mario is trying to get you know Donkey Kong to support the, their their efforts, is beautifully beautifully structured. And from yeah. a, you know like this happens, then this happens, then this happens. But you're 100 percent correct, which is that the story doesn't support that as a journey in any way. And if you it it, it it's like um uh. I, I get you know I'm thinking about Jean Baudrillard's simulacrum. It is like a simul. It's a simulation of an emotional mo- a beat, but it's like it, there's nothing actually there, um, and it sort of it, it kind of resembles it. I was impressed that my son saw through it. To be honest with you, that's kind of an amazing thing to me. Um, it's this might it, would you say this is going to be an interesting exercise? Would you say that this is the first film that he has seen through it? Um. I, that's an interesting question because I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure because his barometer has to do with how much he is entertained, and I think the reason he saw through it was that he wasn't that entertained. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I think the the highs weren't that high, despite looking like they were, 
and the lows, you know, like were, they were just often persistent. Um, so I think I think the thing, the reason he could see through it was that it didn't entertain him enough to keep going. And he, he wasn't, you know, like he literally, the first thing he said was like, I didn't understand why the scenes were happening. Yeah. Um, and it was like, oh, that's a strange thing. Cause, cause, because the directors of the Super Mario Brothers, they directed one of his favorite films of all time, Teen Titans Go to the Movies. That is one of my son's favorite all-time Absolutely, throw that on at any time, and I think that movie's great. I've it's, heard good things. It's it's a lot of fun. Um, it, it entertains on a way that this film does not, and is and has more personality and slightly more, a lot more irreverence. Um, but yeah, I th- I think that's that's, and I think that's sort of like this mishmash of all the things we've been talking about. The level of spectacle isn't supported by the personality, nor the story, or nor the emotional beats of the film, and. I, w- I want to make this clear. This was the, in the same conversation that we had with Dungeons and Dragons as well. I don't want to stress that the movie has to be weighed down by any of this. The Lego movie, for example, as a, comp- uh, as a comparison, uh, has um, a lot of emotional weight to it, but it's also light as a feather and really fun to watch. Um, so it's not that, you know, like Mario's emo- emotional journey needs to be wrought or heavier right. than it is. Uh, it just needs to actually function. And there's the a problem really, is it's non-functional. Yeah, there's a really interesting correlation, especially watching Dungeons and Dragons and this come out so soon, right. like so around each other, because Dungeons and Dragons, it is not deep, but it is both fun. You care about the characters, and you go on and and I, I as we talked about in the episode, you can go back and listen to it. I feel like it respects the IP while bringing something somewhat new to it that doesn't change enough of it. Like it's it's like a it's a really good balancing act right. of IP management into something that is just entertaining and feels lived in. This this relied the the only good things in this film in the Super Mario Brothers movie is the IP itself. Everything derives from this. Where I would say Dungeons and Dragons, we've seen what just the IP of Dungeons and Dragons looks like in the year 2000, and it was dog shit. <laughs> this time around, they did it right because they injected their own stuff and they, they they took inspiration from it. And yada yada yada. That's a D and D term. Uh, the inspiration, not the yada yeah, yada yeah, yada. Yeah. That's a that's a George Lucas term. term. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Mario movie, from everything from its score to its uh, color palette to its des- to the designs that Illumination does bring to life, well are all the IP from Nintendo. And and there's something interesting that and and something that I really I love about Mario and it's and it's so it's interesting from IP management perspective is Mario games have have always had a certain level of polish, not talking any re-releases of things cuz those sometimes fall flat. Um but also just like an aesthetic and a, a world that always feels distinctly Mario. It is it is one of the IPs I think that is I the most ingrained I think almost across the world. Like mm. you could look at an image and know whether or not most a layman could know whether or not it's from a Mario game or not. Right. Yeah. Uh and so the heavy lifting all around. The the voice acting's most of it's not doing a lot of work. Um the the needle drops definitely not and the the pace and the structure and the script are doing nothing. It is it is a thousand percent uh, floating and fueled. The EIP is one of those floaty blocks that is not attached to the ground. Uh, but I think upon viewings, as you, me, your son have felt, it's actually one of those donut ring platforms that is shaking and then going to fall to the ground because it's not going to keep you aloft throughout the entire thing. Are you a Benoit Blanc all of a sudden? It's a donut hole within a donut hole within a no, donut but, hole. No, uh, so no, the 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 when he, when he's doing the the obstacle course, there's a bunch of different platforms that are yeah. in the games, and the donut blocks uh, shake when you're on them and drop. So right. there's that part where he's running and the blocks are falling. Those are the donut blocks. Do you think, um, so the other interesting side of this is um, we asked the question, it, it, I guess we're, we're in that sort of season of movies as well where, um, you know, post-Oscars, it's it's like, you know, we're, we're trying to get butts and seats kind of movies. Um, do you think this, between this, Dungeons & Dragons, Sonic the Hedgehog, do we think that this transforms the IP in any way where it's made so much money now that the games are going to start tying into the movie? Or... If and, was, and would you want to play 
uh, a new Son- uh, uh, Super Mario Brothers game that had this aesthetic or brought something of this aesthetic to it? Well, first of all, this aesthetic is every Mario game. Like, right, but there's... on a far more no, three-dimensional no. scale, on a no. far more polished scale, right? I mean, no, res- pure resolution, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, the Mario Odyssey, uh, even down to Mario Galaxy and any of those, it's yeah. the exact aesthetic of this. It's it's picture-perfectly the aesthetic of this. Right. Um, and the, the movie's plot is just as hollow, if not hollower, than <laughs> the plots of any Mario game. Right. In fact, Mario Odyssey actually has... At least a plot that is moving and right. doing things, and you listen to it, and you understand what's happening. Uh, so no, I I I have no interest in playing the the game version of this movie because I've played the game version of this movie since I was eight. Right. Um, the thing, if this was any company other than Nintendo, thousand mm-hmm. percent, the wrong lessons would be learned <laughs> and whatever. But I think what Nintendo is very good at is understanding what partners are good at. Right. So I think the films now are always going to be this, what right. this movie did. Mm-hmm. I do not think it will affect how the games are made. Right. Um, the, it's funny. I was expecting at the very least, because they're doing, so Mario Kart 8, which is a juggernaut. It's been out for years now, and yeah, they're yeah. still releasing tracks. I love, I love that game. It is yeah. one of the p- most perfect video games ever made. Yeah. I was expecting a little bit more of a tie-in sort of with Mario Kart. Like, I thought they might release a card or two from the right. movie. That feels like a natural thing. They haven't. Th- though, they did show a ton of carts. from yeah, The cart Easter eggs in this movie are yeah. m- uh, next level. Like, there's a Star Fox figurine on top of the, Ninten- right. the TV that yeah. he's playing a Nintendo on. Like, yeah. they're in Punch-Out's bar or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you see the images of Joe Glass and all that shit. So, um, but they didn't. And... Uh, I don't think they're going to. I think they're going to take their checks and go to the bank, and it'll be lovely, and they're going to let Illumination do whatever they want with the movies, but I don't think Nintendo, the way that Nintendo works, it is so insular, it it will not be affected. Right. Uh, Any other company would totally pivot. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I think that was an interesting thing because then – because then the argument is is if the movie doesn't draw you in is the ip management of this whole exercise just to keep just to remind you of the fact that the games exist um because it as i say it's not propelling us towards new merchandise um it's the coca-cola effect i think i mean obviously nintendo a gets a bunch of money but then b they're they're taking their ubiquitous thing and making it even more ubiquitous yeah are we going to um, see a bunch of Super Mario Brothers Halloween costumes? Are we going to see people, you know, like Super Mario birthday parties? That's that's Super Mario Brothers interesting. <laughs> uh, no, hmm. I think I think costume wise, no one, no one. Okay, the Super Mario Brothers movie is not making people aware of Mario. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, I don't think it's going to be any more or less Mario costumes than there always are. Right. Birthday parties require, uh, I would argue, for a child, emotional investment, whether or not that is a simple way to get it or a complicated way of getting it, to have you want to theme a party after your favorite thing. Right. I don't think those are going to grow either because this movie, your son proved it, right. does not do that. Uh, it, it, it doesn't draw you in. I haven't thought a specific – I haven't thought – an iota of anything outside of a Bowser performance or that, I, I can't remember the name of the thing, but that weird, like, esoteric light thing from Mario Galaxy who's like, we're all waiting to die. <laughs> like, you know, like. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, uh, yeah, those are the two things. That was the thing my son enjoyed the most, by the way. Yeah, because it's funny as hell. He's got a morbid sense of humor as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I don't know, like, I don't, I, this does nothing to move the needle other than r- Coca-Cola. Drink a Coke. Remember Coke? You like Coke. Well, Coke. I also, uh, I wanted to point to this article that Matt Singer wrote over at Screen Crush about uh, why are there no movies for kids in theaters? Uh, he wrote this a few weeks before the Super Mario Brothers movie came out. Um, so the last movie that really played to kids that were his age, who were also kids my age, well, I have one kid, um, was Puss in Boots 3. Yeah. It was basically the only movie in a theater that you could take a young kid to. And so I think the other thing that this movie has on its side is exquisite timing. 
Yep. It came out the week before school spring break. Uh, it is the only movie playing in the theater that is specifically targeted to kids under 10 years old that parents can take their, you know, can take to to see this movie. Uh, because the the other movies that um, Matt Singer mentions are things like uh, Shazam or um, um, Black Adam. You know, these are movies that are supposedly for kids, but not really for kids. Yeah. It wouldn't take a young kid to see those movies. Um, so I think there was just a sense of exquisite timing for this movie. It came out when there was literally a, you know, a, an absolute dearth of of those kinds of movies in the theater, and it's and I could, you know, it, it, on our screening we went on a Thursday night at six p.m. and it was an almost packed house with a lot of kids, and and what was you know what was kind of amusing about it was that all the parents were like off to one side on their phones. It was like it was it was it was again that situation where I was like I'm not gonna you know I, I'm not gonna fight about this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think. It really works on that level. Uh, it's the kind of movie where if it's a rainy day, you're going to throw this thing on, um, especially for kids who aren't that discerning about it. Yeah. But interestingly, from an IP point of view, for example, right now there's a Mewtwo movie on, on Netflix, uh, a Pokemon Mewtwo movie. That really? Is, yeah, specifically made for Netflix or made by Netflix. And I've watched it. And for the most part, it's hokum. But it gets to the end, and it's got this amazing sequence in it where I guess spoiler alerts for this. Uh, this is not a spoiler. But, you know, if you spoiled the Mewtwo Netflix movie, <laughs> for me, I swear to Christ. <laughs> uh, they uh, Pikachu has to save Ash Ketchum. Fuck. A- and and he does it in a way that like is absolutely heart wrenching and and like genuinely affecting. And I watch it. Thousands of children uh, <laughs> take his power, and then they fight with electricity in funny ways to ACDC songs. Um, So it's interesting that a movie of this scale, of this magnitude, with this big an IP behind it, with this recognizable a character, with this massive a cast, is simply a hollow shell of a movie. So, so, and I think the main reason is a is a is a dark combination of things. Mm. I think Nintendo is very, very protective of its IP even when it moves it outside of house. Mm. And I don't think they're going to allow it to do anything, any heavy lifting around those things. I also think Illumination as a studio, at least, and you you might correct me if I'm wrong, like, are other Illumination, like, I feel like they leaned more on the, like, Minions-esque stuff, but then Nintendo probably reined them back from a lot of that, and so it was in, like, this weird middle ground that didn't have any pull one way or the other. I, it, it, that's what it feels like, but it's, I, I, I will say I have been genuinely impressed by the other, like you know, like, things like saying on the Secret Life of Pets. Yeah, um, I just think I, this felt like what if Minions, but a three three out of ten, like and Mario, yeah. like you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so so it's you're right. You you nailed it <laughs> perfectly. It's the safest bet. Yeah. Um, and, but yeah. even but you know, uh, well, this is the thing I was gonna say. You can, if you're a half, a glass is half empty, glass is half full kind of conversation here. You could either argue that the safest bit is the most depressing because it, it signals uh, a lack of creative um, adventurism or, 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 or actual dynamism in this and it is a meaningless movie. Or it's a glass is half full, which is that uh, it, compared to Super Mario Brothers, the, 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 uh, the Bob Hoskins, John Leguizamo film, which is... Such a strange entity. I, I recently um, just watched snippets of it. Um, that that movie is such a strange entity. If you if you're sort of comparing it in those two worlds, you know maybe this this safe bit is fine. But you know again, uh, I think you know I'm not going to take credit for this. Mark Kermode said this in his review. Um, it ain't no Lego movie. Which if you think about what Leg- the Lego movie is, which is in terms of IP management mm-hmm. and being genuinely creatively fulfilling and daring and adventurous and risky. Uh, and then how much of a success that is, you know, like what you get out of the Lego movie is an all timer kind of movie yep. that we might talk about in 10 to 15 years. Oh, yeah. I doubt very much we'll be talking about Super Mario Brothers no. come June, you know, come tomorrow, man. Yeah. Like it, it, it is not the safest bet. It is the most boring bet, which makes me mad because you can do incredibly safe things and still have it have a story that connects point A to point B to point C. Right. Like that's you, you can still do that. We've seen that a decent amount across film. Right. Um 
I will end with this because we're coming up on the hour. When I was watching the movie, I rolled my eyes a couple times and I was like, oh, man, Jesus. But overall, I had fun. Like what I was liked... your ten o'clock screening like? Just out of curiosity, uh, I went to it was in an IMAX. Screen. It was at the IMAX at the Lincoln. Um, yeah. It was maybe a fourth full. Right. Um, couple kids. Yeah. Kids seem to dig it at ten o'clock at night. Yeah, I didn't Gee, really agree yeah, with the parenting choices, that. but I don't have a child, so yeah. I wasn't gonna, you know. Yeah. Um, but they were, but like, the, I, I will say this: I, I don't want to give shade to those parents because they were doing like some like level ten parenting, in my opinion. Like a kid would do something, and they like be, they, they were interacting and being friendly, and like it's, it's also spring be- break, so the rules are at the door. Sure, sure, you know sure. I mean, actually, I honestly, I'm. Shout out to the parents who took their kids to the 10 o'clock. Well, I don't think that's a great move. Yeah. The parenting that was on display for those late night kids was like top notch. Yeah. Um, okay. I can imagine it, w- it wasn't like uh, we're just going to leave you at the movies kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, yeah. The, everyone was like super. It was good. It was mm-hmm. nice to see, honestly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one weird thing did happen, though. At the end of the movie, <laughs> one of the it was a gentleman who was seeing the film alone. Yeah, uh, which I was dangerously close to being that gentleman until Red said he'd go with me. Okay, uh, just started like taking a bunch of pictures of the IMAX theater, okay. which led me to believe that it was the first time he'd been in that IMAX theater. And he just thought it was impressive, and I was like, "But he, during the movie? No, no, at the end. Like okay. once the credits had rolled, the lights okay. were up, and like, and there's nothing wrong with it. It was yeah. just weird because he took like he walked from one end, took three pictures, walked to the middle, took a bunch of pictures, walked to the end, the other end, took pictures, walked down, looked up, took pictures. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> maybe he's um have you ever have you uh, ever played around with uh, luma labs nerfs nerfs any no. neural radiance fields maybe he was making a nerf <laughs> maybe know. maybe he was making he's going to try to import it into mario maker 2 who the fuck yeah, knows exactly um but again i had fun watching it the colors were bright it was mario yeah completely sort of dis- dis- disconnected from any sort of meaning of a character yeah uh but again the games are kind of that so while I have shit on this movie quite a bit, I did not have a terrible time watching it. If that's if that's a benefit <laughs> to say, like, I don't know. I, I don't want to be like, this is fucking garbage because it's not. There's a, <laughs> there's there's good stuff here. But sadly, none of it's connected. I, this is my final thing. This is what I said to Alex when he asked. I said, here's my three word review. <laughs> speed run film. Right. OK. It's a speed run of a movie. It is a, it is a, it is a speed run of a movie. Yeah, uh, get through uh, it as quickly that, as you can. But there's nothing behind it. I think right. Yeah, <laughs> for me, I think the fact that I could take my son to a movie, which is what Matt Singer alluded to, uh, was the big bonus. Was the big win. Um, that the movie wasn't god awful is the win. Um, would I have loved it? You know, I I desperately want my son to watch uh, Into the Spider-Verse. For some reason, you've dressed up as Spider-Man for him yep. on his birthday. He dressed up as Miles. He dressed up as Miles. He's not into it anymore. And it's 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 befuddling me. He's like, I don't like Spider-Man. I don't want to watch that movie. I was like, like a little part of me is dying every time he says that. That's, That's crazy. Like, What's he into now? What's his thing? Pokemon. He's into Pokemon. Okay. He's into Pokemon. He's into Teen Titans Go. Okay. Those are, those are his two things. Um, he, he spends a lot of time making his own characters. Sure. Uh, he likes Ninjago as well. I've heard Ninjago uh, gets good things about Ninjago. Yeah, the, the Lego Ninjago movie is, is very watchable as well. Um, so to that end, I think the, the Super Mario Brothers movie is on a very thin line of possible. <laughs> very thin line of possible. Um, I, the, my, my final word is, Shout out to Dave, who thought to bring enough plastic cups for all the kids. Hell yeah. That's great parenting. <laughs> Dave Dave is Dave, the hero that yeah, we Dave, needed. Dave E. is the hero of the movie for me. Uh, well, this has been the only podcast about the film The Super Mario Bros. Movie. <laughs> Shahir, when you are not dodging piranha plants and bullet bills and <laughs> and 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 not seeing Naya Koopa kid in sight where can folks find you uh, you can find me falling down a pipe uh, at my website www.shahirdow.com that's h a h r d u d matt when you are not carting upside down into an unknown mario reference that i cannot make uh, where can people find you you can find me uh, coming out of the warp pipe over at my website, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com for my life and works. Also, Skeletor, the number four, P-R-E-Z on PSN and Instagram. Sure. Emperor MSK on Twitter. Sure. Also, 
They do a do a, a YouTube sure. extra history and extra credits. Uh, what's coming out? Uh, oh, we you know what's interesting? The next EC episode that'll be coming out, I guess the Wednesday after this drops, right? Um, is on rebuilding genre to sort of taking a look at like uh, changing our ideas of what genre means. Okay, and if you look at sort of the way that um, the Mario IP specifically has been handled it has done that a little bit while still maintaining its core aesthetic which is an interesting conversation to have so if you're looking for a palate cleanser about video game video game stuff after listening to this discussion that might be a good place to go uh in the two days after this launches um yeah i guess next week this is the first this is the first week in a while she that we don't we don't know i know Bo is afraid is coming out very soon which i'm very excited for what's Bo is afraid that is the new ari asta film with joaquin phoenix okay uh, um let's do it i need i need to look i've loved my video game vacation <laughs> it's been great right uh i feel like i need something else i think to, to well to that conversation about video game movies uh i think there's been an evolution since the panels that we've hosted on this topic, <laughs> yeah, right? Like yeah. things like The Last of Us have transformed the landscape, and I think Super Mario Brothers is a good example of like it can be done because the, the the place we were at before this was nobody's done this, yeah. nobody's done this well. So yep. we're 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 in a different uh, landscape now. Hell, SNL did a better Mario movie they did in an, two days. Yeah, than... they did an excellent Mario Kart. Uh, there has yeah. been a Breaking Bad version of that. Uh, someone did a Breaking Bad Mario Kart on uh, TikTok or YouTube or something. It was excellent. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of stuff. There's also a couple of films from uh, last year's Best uh, Foreign Film nominees that I still want to see, a film called Close, uh, a Scandinavian film, I believe, of some description, which I've uh, have been meaning to watch. Um, also, The Quiet Girl. There's a lot out there. Email us in, onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com, uh, or hit us up on Twitter at onlymoviepod. I want to hear some recommendations. I, I know we've got a couple still in the bag uh, that people have sent out to us as well, so we'll try to get to those. Yeah. Uh, much appreciated to Prashant and everyone who emailed us this week. Uh, love Absolutely. your thoughts on uh, our uh, uh, trenchant ramblings is, is what I'll describe us as. as a, this is a ramble-filled episode. Until yeah. next week, please enjoy the rest period your ears will have before you hear our dulcet tones again, and we'll talk at you later. Bye, everyone. Bye. Let's go. <laughs>